Morning. Before the kiddies go, how are the kids going today? They can stay in here if they want. It's up to you. Got some news. My beautiful wife, Karina, and I are having another baby. Hey! Just going to get me clicky thing. There we go. Ben asked me this week if I'd share on this subject. And I was a little nervous. Is it probably only, you know, pregnancy, having kids, that sort of stuff? Thanks, bro. Only appeals to just a few of us, right? A few of us that have had kids and know that thing. And I just don't want anyone to check out because I really feel like some of the stuff God's put on my heart um, will encourage you, will encourage you greatly. My prayer is that uh, God is revealed. God is revealed as the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's revealed as the God of this season. So let's pray before we pray. let the kids go. Father, I give you glory for today. Father, I just ask that you would speak through me. I pray, God, that you would use um, the things in my life, the testimonies, and the places you've brought me, God, just to impart to people how great you are, how faithful you are, and how good you are. For the kids, Father, I pray a special blessing over them. For the children in this house, for the next generation, and for the parents that raised them. I ask, Father, that they would gleam something from today. Father, the parents would understand how to love their children more, and children would learn how to honor their parents more. So, God, I give you glory for what you have put on my heart, and I pray that we can deliver that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, turn to Ecclesiastes. Don't go there much, but Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Oh, the kids, yeah. You can go. (laughs) You parents, hurry back. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. This will be the only one we read together, and the rest of the the scriptures I will uh, cross-reference. But Ecclesiastes 3, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather those stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. The Bible is true. We've just gone through that with the social distancing stuff, right? A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There's another scripture in Acts 1 verse 7. It says, it is not for you to know the times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So right off the bat, you just got to know that God is the author of the seasons. And it's incredible when Ben asked me to share on this. um, He said that your pregnancies have related simultaneously with big events in this church. And I was like, that's incredible. So we, I thought back to it. When the church first merged between Set Free and um, 
Crossing Point, I was honoured to be the first speaker at our first meeting, and that was I spoke on the Father's love, how great the Father's love is for us. I was a new dad. River had just come along in all his glory. And then secondly, we were pregnant with Marley when there was the transition of leadership, and Ben and Jess became the leaders of our community. And now we are announcing our third baby, and we may have to leave this building. And I want to be fully, fully transparent here. Uh, although I speak to you today as a leader and as a, a deacon in this house, which is a great honor and I love it very, very much, I'm also the director of the charity that owns this building. So it's somewhere we've had to navigate some tricky times, uh, but I'm really, if nothing else, I'm just so excited and pumped for what God is doing because there is a definite change in season. And the comparison that I'm going to make is what you see up there. There's a comparison that women go through in pregnancy that we can gleam for a changing of season. So some of this will be funny. Some of you will laugh. Some of the parents especially will laugh. But remember my heart. My heart is that God will be revealed. So I'm either the bravest preacher ever or the dumbest because I've asked Coco to help me with every one of these points. Okay? I said to her, I said, honey, make this. Is, look at this. Trimesters in pregnancy. One, sick and tired. Two, oh, the baby kicks. Three, get this baby out of me. Yeah? So here they are. Here's the list. I said, honey, make me a list of everything <laughs> that you love about pregnancy or actually hate. Number one, one actually should be tiredness, if I'm fair. Tiredness would be number one. Morning sickness, cravings, and body changes. All right? And all of these things are before labor. And labor, by its very definition, is hard work. So if nothing else, after today, you'll have a greater respect for women. I trust, trust me, trust me. So tiredness, let's start there. I was so impressed last week that Ben started the service speaking about tiredness. He said, you guys might have had a heavy week and uh, things are getting on top of us. And it was. Who, who else is tired here? Be honest. It's okay. Yeah, we're all, t we're all tired. When I asked my wife how she's doing, that's her first answer. Just tired. Even if I asked something different. Honey, what, what was that Netflix show we're watching? And I'm so tired. Was, <laughs> that's not what I asked, but cool. Yeah. She is always, always tired. And that's because she has to nurture and grow a miracle inside of her. And it's a cool side point. When you have, I'm going to speak a lot about dreams today. And in prophetic dreams, when you see or have a picture of someone who's pregnant, it doesn't always mean literal. It can often mean that they are carrying a dream or a prophetic uh, occurrence inside of them that, that, that wants to get out, that wants to be birthed. Okay? Let's start with this funny one. Morning sickness. Coco has not really had morning sickness as bad as this one, I would say. That gives me hope that it might be a girl. I'd love three boys, but it could be a girl. And uh, it's tough, man. It's tough to watch her go through that because there's legit nothing I can do. And I don't know why they call it morning sickness because you can get sick all time, right? Morning, noon, night. My darling Amy, she said she was sick for nine months. Is that right? Every day, nine months. Three months of those were in hospital because she was so sick. 
It's, it's painful. Look at this. Growing a baby makes me feel like a superhero, a really tired, weak superhero that wants to eat all the time and isn't allowed to lift heavy objects. It's sad watching her just hurl over and be crook all the time. And again, you just got to remember, this is a part of it. This is a part of what she's going through. And just bringing that to us today, I'm going to do a little funny thing with the word. We can experience a mourning sickness. A mourning with the, I'm putting you in there, Timmy, or the letter U. Mourning sickness. And that's when you mourn the previous season. That's when you feel sick and sad about the place you've come from, about the season that God's trying to move you on from. It's one of my biggest issues I have in my own life. And you guys hang out with me long enough, you'll hear me say stuff like, ah, back when I was young and I used to play basketball all the time or when I used to hit a golf ball or sometimes when we go on dates, you'll hear us say, oh, before we had kids, we didn't even have to worry about this stuff. I'm always glorifying the previous season. It's something I've got to really work on because it's true and it's very natural to have an affection for where you are. Why? Because it's comfortable. And we can all get comfortable with where God had us, but we've got to realize that there's a, there's a moving forward. There's a transition that God wants to do. Same as what Dave said earlier. There's a taking from glory to glory. God wants to take us from strength to strength. So a mourning is what I've actually gone through. I'll speak a bit more about it later, but I've actually been diagnosed uh, with a mental illness called separation anxiety. And what this is, is a fear of loss. Because I've had a lot of loss in my life in a very short time, the doctors have basically said, you have a fear of losing things. So I didn't know how bad it was until I was on the mountain one day and I realized this after the doctor said it, that every day, without fail, I had to get a phone call from Karina at some stage in the day because I worried that she was going to have a car accident every day. It wasn't real. It was fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. I was afraid, but I legit had to check in, didn't I, honey? And if she had missed my calls at a certain time at home time, I would panic. And I'd think she's gone off the cliff on Beachmont. And it might seem strange, but it's an actual real thing. I was afraid to lose. I was afraid to lose things. And I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. <coughs> Cravings. That's not Coco there, by the way. That's someone else. But it's a real thing, gentlemen. It's not unusual at 2 a.m. in the morning to get a little tap on your shoulder. I want a Kit Kat. <laughs> I want a Kit Kat. I don't wake up and go, I want a million dollars, but I'm not getting that. You know? It's not unusual for a man to jump in the car, drive, and go and get a Kit Kat because that's what she feels like. Yeah, I've got some of the dads smiling at me. It's a true thing, but it's not as bad as one of our friends. I hope she doesn't hear this, but she told me what her craving was. She would send her hubby down to the beach to collect sand so that she would eat it. So she would walk around the house with a container full of sand and just chew on it. Oh, oh yeah, that's a legit thing. That's what she craved. What the body wants, the body wants it. And uh, there's been times, there's been times where I've wanted to say, honey, do you really need that? But I wouldn't be here to preach if that was the case, yeah? <laughs> Do you really need that thing in your stomach? But it's real. Cravings are real. And the illustration that I want to give a little parallel that we were at today in this season of change is we want to do 
what we want in our flesh. We want to desire to get out of the season or find a result for the season ourselves. We were looking to our flesh to go and make decisions. And it's a tricky spot to be in because, again, it's very natural just to go, I can solve this problem. I can get myself out of this mess. Or you go and do something hastily like I used to do. I'll just go and get a new job. You know, I've lost my job. The season's finished. I'll go and just apply for the next job and I'll I'll start there tomorrow. Or um, I'll just put a down payment on this house and I'll just go for this house without really praying about it or seeking God or seeking help from friends. We just jump into doing things off our own bat. Does that make sense? And finally, this is the most um, obvious of them. Her body is changing. She is getting ready to host a miracle, so her body is going to grow. She is going to get a bigger belly. You're beautiful now, but you're just as beautiful. They have a glow. Women have a glow about them. And that's not just because you give them what they want when they're craving. Okay? It's, it's a real thing. A, a w- women have a glow. Just on that craving thing, you honestly feel, men out there, single guys, you feel like a white knight walking in the door when you've got like Krispy Kremes or something that you wanted. You walk in the door and you, you, know, you just <laughs> feel like you've conquered Everest because she's so happy. But on her body changing, that's a real thing too. She's also, yeah, everything grows, that's all I can say on this PG wavelength. Everything grows to nourish and look after the baby. Am I doing all right? You can tell me. You can throw something at me if I've gone over the line. And the parallel I want to make to that is oftentimes in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, the church is known as Christ's body. We are his bride. And God wants us to grow. God wants us to make room the capacity for him to influence our lives, to make room for Jesus. You've heard that before. To open up and to allow him to direct our steps. My favorite scripture in all the Bible, Proverbs 3, chapter 15, uh, verse 15. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, on your flesh. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will make it clear to you. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to make room for Jesus. I'm getting into a habit which has been absolutely amazing. I think Ben encouraged me in this. A habit of mine was to always wake up and then look at my phone straight away. It's a bad habit. And I thought, you know, I want to start making more room for God in my daily life. So we've got a carpet at home. Before I turn the TV on or before I turn my phone on, before I say anything, my my first day now is on the carpet. And I don't have to stay there long, but it's been a great uh, discipline for me to just focus my heart and say, God, I just want to make room for you in my day. I want to give the first part of my day to you. And it's been inc- incredible how much um, easier the day has become. It's not, it's not all perfect, but it's just you'd rather start with God than, than anything else, yeah? I want to um, talk about this cool photo. Look at these two. Long hair, don't care. That was us back then. Look at Coco's dreads. That's at Venice Beach in America. And I want to share this testimony. It, it's a, it is serious, um, but it really does point to how great and how faithful God is. This photo was taken just after Coco and I were pretty burnt out from church. We were burnt out from uh, ministry life. And we were told pretty early on that we couldn't have 
children or that it would be very, very difficult to have children because of, you know, complications and stuff. And one day Coco got really sick. She had all of those symptoms I spoke about before and it was never on my radar that she may be pregnant. Anyway, we went to the doctor and the doctor had looked over and he said, I've looked at your bloods and you're pregnant. And straight away, I went from the highest jubilation in my heart, because that's all I ever wanted to be was a dad, and only to be shattered three seconds later when he said, but you've actually lost your baby. From high highs to extremely low lows. And I just remember crying in there. We went to church. I think we were worship leading that day. It was a tough day to come to church. Mel cried and, and got around us. And to be honest, I just wanted to check out. I was like, I'm... I don't want to face the world at the moment. I'm just going to leave my job. At that time, I had a good um, you know, passive income so I could travel. We went over to New Zealand, and it was really a time of running away. For me, it was anyway. I had enough, and I thought I'd just get away from this season. And it all started to sort of fall apart from there when I started to trust in my own understanding, like that scripture said. In a calendar year... I had lost a baby, my brother was murdered, and my sister, who went to the doctor to get help, died the next day from a misdiagnosis, all in a very, very short time. So that's why I have a fear of loss. That's why it's a, it's a real subject that still hurts to this day, but God has got me through. And that's what this photo is. We look happy on the outside and everything's good, but there was a lot of pain that was going on underneath that. I had a dream when I was in New Zealand. And in this dream were these massive trucks. Remember those Tonka trucks you used to play with as a kid in the sandpit? Those big yellow, what are they called? Just trucks. Are they called Tonka, the real ones? <laughs> I thought it was just a toy. Anyway, so there were these trucks that lined the side of this road. And we drove on a road and then I came to this humongous forest of these massive trees. I asked a friend who was very prophetic and very gifted. I said, what does this mean? And she said, you've got to go to America God's got a word for you in this forest. And I was like, that seems a bit far-fetched, you know, it seems a bit out there. Uh, and it was another, her friend also confirmed it. That's actually the redwood forest, the biggest trees in the world. God was going to speak to you there. So I said, all right, that's all right. Um, sort of put it on the back burner. And then we went and visited my sister, my sister Coral. She's a Jehovah's Witness, if you don't know my testimony. That's how I was raised. And my sister's standing um, there, and she's in great agony. She's in great pain because she'd had one child, um, but she'd had complications ever since then, and she was getting a hysterectomy on Monday. We went and visited her on Friday, and she was having her whole everything taken out on Monday. And she had lost hope. So remember that word. She had lost hope. Because she's a witness, we weren't allowed to, to ask to pray for her, you know. She doesn't believe that Jehovah, that Yahweh can heal. So it was a very awkward situation. But because of what we just went through, it was a burden on my heart to want to pray for her. So I just said, sis, don't get your operation on Monday. Whatever you can do, just put it off. Put it off and see. And I said, didn't I? I said, see what God can do. That was a big step because she was a yeah, baptized witness, as I said. And if you know that religiosity, it's very tricky. We walked out of there, and I have never prayed like that before. I, the, every step home, Coco and I held hands for our own grief. 
but also for her. God, do a miracle. God, do a miracle. We left that situation. I got bold enough to get on a plane to fly to America. And we had some time in our holiday to go for a drive. And we were driving to the Redwood Forest. And I saw the, the trucks, the Tonka trucks, on the side of the road. And I thought, man, this is crazy. This is exactly where we need to be. I get into the forest, and we sit down, and we have communion together. Coco and I pray, and we have communion together. And God spoke to me so clear. He said, you're not going back to New Zealand, which is what you want to do, and run away. You're going back to Australia because I'm going to do something in the church. And it was so clear. It was so right. You know, God also shared with me that I'd be walking into, in years to come, an influence that the, the trees represented people in the city and in the community that, would, uh, that are influencers, doctors, you know, um, counselors and that sort of stuff that would be asking for God's perspective and that I'd be able to mentor and help some of these people. And all of this was a lot to take on. But anyway, we went back. We went back to uh, Bethel where we were staying. And we were at the night service there. And that church, if you've ever, anyone been to Bethel? Probably fits about 3,000, 600. Oh, my God. <laughs> Preacher's curse. I said 3,000 to 600. Um, but it felt like there was a lot of people there. And uh, they said... They said, I want you to stand up, anyone who has either had a miscarriage or hoping to be prayed for. Coco grabbed my hand, and we both stood up, and I looked around, because I expected a church, you know, 50,000, to, uh, there'd be more than just two. But it was just myself, Coco, and Chris Vallotton's son, who had stood up. Oh, see, the story's just embellished over the years. <laughs> Point is, there wasn't many. We got prayed for, and... I could feel something change. I could feel something change inside me. And I remember a couple of days after that, I got another dream, because when you're in that place, you know, when you're in the dream stream, there's all these dreams going on. It comes in seasons. And I remember waking up and running into my friend's house who was staying in the house, and I said, Amy, Amy, there's a baby in the house. There's a baby in the house. And she said, it's not my baby. <laughs> You've lost it. But it was actually River. God had showed me before that we were pregnant again and that we were going to have a baby. And that was a season of absolute healing and time to be with God. Going back to my sister, a witness, the most religious person that I know, she miraculously on Monday, the doctor said, we can't do the surgery. We have to push it two more days. Two more days became two more weeks. Today, she has three more babies. She was going to go and have her hysterectomy on the Monday. God had healed her that day. I can never tell her that, you know, your God did that. That's just a secret I hold in my heart. But I found that we have a special anointing for that. So ultimately there's some, some where's my phone? There's some scriptures, I'll just, I remember them. That God is the same yesterday, today, forever. That he's the author and the finisher of our faith that he is the one who orchestrates the season and he's not going to leave us high and dry. He knew that in my darkest time and the times that it was tough for us, and we've had many of them, that he, as long as we kept him in our eye, kept him in, in sight to want to please him, 
He made it all work together for good. That's what the Bible says. He works all things together for good for those who love him. And I never stopped loving God. Never, never did I think that I'm just going to check out from him. I just needed a break from the church. I needed a break from religion. And God, thanks to his faithfulness, he never, never forsook me and left me. And this week, with all these things that I've been sharing and the change in seasons and things that we're going to go through as a church, I don't know what God has planned, and neither does Ben. We don't know what the next season is going to look like, but we trust him. I love that the most about this community. In worship, we desire to just reach the throne room. We desire just to worship the person of Christ. And that is, that is true about who we are. And this season, although it's changing, I would say don't look back. Don't mourn the season that we've had behind us. Yeah? Stay forward. Stay focused on God. The Bible's full of examples. Um, the disciples, you know, after Jesus was died, you know, they felt like giving up. What they do? They went back to being fishermen. The Israelites, when they were brought out of captivity and saw God's mighty hand when he did the, the ten plagues against Pharaoh and even when they were in the wilderness and the fire that came down out of heaven on their tent by night and a cloud of, you know, pillar of cloud by day, they saw all that and still they said life was better back in Egypt. I think of Sodom and Gomorrah when that was about to be destroyed and God by his faithfulness sent his angels in to deliver them to deliver Lot and his family. And as they're walking out, as they're literally being led by the hand of angels out of the city, his wife, Lot's wife, looked back with a longing for what was behind, and she was turned to salt. The reason they are heavy scriptures, they're warnings, that when you know that God is in control, just like he's in control when any mother is pregnant, she's excited she can rest knowing that God's going to deliver on his promise, on his faithfulness. This week, I had a real um, feeling on my heart to pray for a couple in particular. So I want um, John and Morgan to come up here. I sent them a message this week, and I want our community to get behind them and around them. Because just as they prayed for us at Bethel, I would love our community to pray for them as well. So this is not about shame. Okay, so that's the one thing this is not about. This is about trusting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, without any context, I just want to give this couple and this family to you. I just commit them, God, with everything that you have promised, with every dream, every vision, every loving message of hope, every scripture they've read, every promise they've stood on, God. We just commit them to you. God, I ask for your hand, your miraculous hand that helped my sister. I pray, Father, for a miraculous provision of a baby. God, that they would look at this as a time of blessing, a time of favor, 
and a time of resting. God, I honor you for the season you've brought me through, and I thank you for the authority that you've given me in this house to be able to call forth new life, new life, new life. God, you are good, you are faithful, and you never leave or forsake us. So, Father, I ask for your mighty, miraculous hand to do a miracle that this would be the day that we remember, a pivotal moment in not only this church, but in your lives, John and Morgan. I pray for favor over the rest of their household, especially with young Isla coming back from Scotland. God, I pray for safe travel for her, and I pray for just a unity. I also want to specifically pray for John's destiny, for the mantle that you have over him as the head of his house, that he would lead this family well, that his kids, all of them, will look to him as the head of this house, and that you would command that blessing. Father, as your word says, as your brethren dwell together in unity, you command a blessing, and that starts with Christ, him as the head, and then John as his appointed leader. So we call forth their destiny, and this community stands beside you as they've reached out hands. We say, blessing, blessing, blessing. Open up, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's really all I had to say about that. I, uh, it was just like an extended announcement. Um, we are very, very happy. And although this is an unknown time for us it, uh, as a community, God is good and he's going to get us through it. If you have anything, as I should mention this, if you've felt anything in your spirit, even from this morning when Dave got us to pray about the church, come submit it to the leaders. Come talk to us. Um, we're excited. And I very much love God and I very much love all of you. So thanks for listening. I think I'm going to give it back to <laughs> Ben's going. I'm tapped out for the day. Love you all. Bless you. Thanks so much, Sean. Was that good? That was, that was a great message, and I'm sure every one of us can take some gold nuggets away from that. Well, it is the end of the service, but there's a coffee machine back here, so grab yourself a coffee, buy one for someone, have a great time, have a great week, and God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.